Greetings and welcome to The Well. I'm your host, Sean Barkley, as always. So glad to have you along. So it was a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were visiting friends, and they had just had a baby, cute little guy, and they asked if we'd like to hold the baby, and so my wife was holding the baby. And we did something that people instinctively do when they're holding a baby. We started smiling at the baby and cooing at the baby and making baby talk and trying to get the baby to smile and laugh and trying to get the baby to make eye contact with us. There's just something about doing that that is instinctive. And so after we had had that experience, I was thinking about it and decided to do a little research. Why is it that adults just can't help but make faces and smile at babies and learn something interesting? The reason we do it is actually not just instinctive because it makes us feel good. What we're doing is actually, according to researchers, helping a child form his or her identity. I know that sounds bizarre, but what researchers who study this kind of human behavior have learned is that an infant will essentially mirror the facial expressions of an adult or child even who is looking at the baby. And so if we look at the baby with an affirming look, a positive look, if we're smiling, often the baby will mirror that same look back to us. And it really begins to shape their personality and their identity. It's an amazing thing that happens. And I learned something even more. Often babies don't know how to express their emotions. And so if they are feeling upset or sick or whatever, they're not exactly sure what to do, they will take verbal or visual cues from adults who are looking at them. So if a baby's stomach is hurting and the baby's making a funny face, if the adult frowns, the baby will frown. And so the look of an adult peering into the face of a baby actually shapes how that baby sees himself or herself. Now, I mention this because I'm thinking about the face of God with you today for our 10, 12-minute devotional. The Bible, 600 times at least, mentions the face of God. And so when you think about the face of God, what does it look like? What is God's facial expression? Is God glad, angry, disappointed, sad? You may recognize the name A.W. Tozer, a wonderful, inspirational Christian writer from a century ago, uh, amazing guy, lived in a farm out in western Pennsylvania, and I'm going to paraphrase what Tozer once wrote. He basically said that our perception of God, our image of God, shapes the way we live. In other words, if God is a tyrant, we are paranoid about making mistakes. If God is angry, what do we do with people who are angry all the time? We avoid them, right? If God is pleased with us, if God's face is smiling, then um, we know that God wants to bless us and we live with joy and gratitude, and I would add to that courage. Because we know even if we make a mistake, that God still is affirming us and pleased with us. And so when you think about the face of God, if you were to close your eyes right now, if you're driving, don't do that, but if you are to close your eyes right now and picture God's facial expression, what does that look like? What do you see and what do you perceive? You know, I, I remember some time ago, the quote, um, failure is not an option. And for me, I've always thought that's ridiculous. Failure is an option because when we fail, it's not like God is this angry tyrant who's going to eternally punish us. No, God is our loving Father 
who approves of us and wants to affirm us. One of the greatest passages of all that deals with the face of God is from Numbers chapter 6. It's the priestly blessing. And the blessing essentially goes like this. God says to Moses, whenever you talk to Aaron, tell Aaron and all the priests, this is how I want you to bless the people. Say to them, as they depart the tent of meeting from the worship service, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. In other words, the Lord turn his attention toward you and give you his peace both now and evermore. And I love that image of God's face shining upon us. The word shine in the Hebrew literally means light. But more specifically, it's related to sunshine. And so if you want to drill down even deeper, it's, it's like a sunrise. When God looks at you and me, it's like a sunrise. A new day is dawning in your life. I mean, when, when, when Moses gave this to the priests, that God's face shines, it was synonymous with God's favor and delight. You know, we might say that God is actually smiling at you and smiling at me. Just like we're looking at an infant, smiling at that infant, that's what God does for us. In fact, David picked up on this theme in Psalm 21 when he wrote, There is gladness in God's holy face. I watched a video not long ago of a young woman, 30 years old, with Down syndrome. She graduated from the University of Kentucky. She is the very first student with Down syndrome ever to graduate from UK. And as I watched that video, I felt my face lighting up and smiling. And I think that's what God does when He looks at you and me. We also read about God's face that He turns it towards us or toward us. He lifts his countenance upon us. In other words, God doesn't turn away from you and me. No, God's face um, features not only a smile, but his chin is up. He lifts his face. God takes pride in you and satisfaction in you and me. Remember, you and I are God's workmanship, reverently and wonderfully made. Of course, we make mistakes. We grieve God. We know that. But at his core, God delights in our very existence. And so when I think about that, here's where my mind goes. I want to know what is the consequence of this? I mean, what does it mean for you and me to know that God is shining on us, God affirms us, God approves of us, God is satisfied in us? And so to talk about this, I think we need to first understand this kind of big theological concept that God is omnipresent. Again, just kind of drilling down a little bit. God is omnipresent meaning God is everywhere simultaneous or simultaneously. Even you know, with all of our technological advancements, we can't be two places at the same time. And we can't travel back in time. We can't travel forward into the future, at least not yet. God transcends all time and space. God lives within us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Psalm 145 uh, David exclaims that God is near to us. And when he uses the word near in the Hebrew, it's plural. It means God is near to us in every way. God is ahead of us. He's, he's in front of us in time. God is behind us. He's, he's even back there. God is above us. He's below us. He's beside us. And so even though we can't see or perceive of God all the time, God wants us to know that he is near. He's, he's omnipresent. And his omnipresence is shining on us. 
is approving of us. Have you ever been in an airplane and as you're taking off, the skies are dark and cloudy and there's rain and then you ascend through the clouds and suddenly there's this beautiful sunlight and this gorgeous sky. Well, the truth is that sunlight was always there even when you were taking off. You just couldn't see it because of the cloud. What God is saying with his nearness is that God is always present with us. He's omnipresent even when we can't see God. Okay, so that's where we begin in thinking about what it means practically that God's face shines upon us. Let me give you an idea to think about. When you and I look for God's light in our lives, consider what light actually does. I mean, what does light do? Three quick things. One, light exposes things. It allows us to see what's there. So if you were looking in the mirror and the room is kind of dimly lit, you might look at your image and say, oh, that's not too bad. But if you're like me and you're looking at your image in a mirror and the room is really, really bright, you see every little or even big flaw in the mirror. Because that's what happens. Light exposes our flaws. Some time ago, actually it was a long time ago, I bought a Kirby vacuum cleaner and it cost a ton of money and I didn't even have any money to spend on a Kirby vacuum cleaner. But the reason I bought it was that the salesperson came to the house, knocked on the door, and she said, you know, you might want to buy this because there's all kinds of dirt in here that you can't see. And I said, well, looks pretty clean to me. And so we went up to the bedroom and she shone an, like a blue light, some kind of ultraviolet, I don't know what it was, purple light, whatever, on the bed. And it was like all these crumbs were on the bed. And she said, that's dead skin. You just can't see it unless there's this specific light shining on it. Of course, that made me want to buy a vacuum cleaner right there and get all the dead skin off the bed. Well, that's what light does in your life and mine. God, when he is shining on us, he exposes the real you and me and helps us see ourselves for as we, as we really are. What else do we say about light? What well, it heals us. Light contains essential vitamins. It triggers our skin to produce vitamin D, for example. It releases serotonin in our brains to boost our mood. You're familiar with seasonal affected disorder, SAD. Many of us feel depressed during certain times of the year when there's not a lot of light. Light actually brings healing to us. Yeah, but if a baby is born and there's some jaundice going on or whatever, what do they do with the baby in the hospital? They put him or her under a light. And so light is healing. God's light in your life and mine heals us. And then finally, and here's my favorite, light gives us vision. I mean, it's obvious, right? You and I need light to see where we are going. The nearness of God will give you a vision for your life. And so when God's light is shining on us, it exposes us for who we really are. It heals us, and also it gives us vision. But here's a takeaway. Our general calling in life, you have it and I have it in a general sense, is to reflect the light of God, to reflect it in our home, church, neighborhood, school, work, wherever. We reflect God's light. Not, we don't manufacture it, and that's a big difference there. And think about it in the Old Testament. 
Exodus chapter 32. When Moses returned from Mount Sinai, after receiving the law of God, the people looked at him and said, your face is shining. Why was it shining? Because he had been with the Lord. He was reflecting God's light. Have you ever known someone who just radiates the love and grace and peace of God? You can literally see it written all over his or her face. On the other side of the coin, have you ever known someone who does not radiate that in any way? There is a difference when you and I have been in the presence of God. We experience it. And so we reflect it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes that after the people have been in the presence of God, they're living in this generation that is sort of a little wicked and crooked. He uses that language. He said they are to shine as stars in the universe. In other words, they are to reflect the love and the grace of God. I mean, think about it. You, you see the moon at night. It's bright. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. Is the moon generating that light? No, the moon's a big rock. It's reflecting the light of the sun. And so that takes a little bit of pressure off of you and me. Our calling isn't to shine on our own by our own achievement, by how good and wonderful we are. Our calling is to let the light of God shine through us. And so who needs in your life to have God shine on them? Who needs to know of God's affirmation and God's smile? Just as we look into the face of an infant and help that infant form his or her identity by our affirming look and our smile, God has done that in your life and mine. And the simple formula God uses is that because He has done that for us, what we do is reflect that in someone else's life. I hope you have a terrific week. Bye now.